Hello, welcome back to the Tamu GBSA podcast. I'm back here with the officers, and uh, we can we have a really special, I guess, part of uh, I guess different episodes for y'all. Our last episode, we were able we actually recorded a guest panel where we had four really special guests. One of them, um, so it was a uh, Dr. Shaver, the one that works with some with the sea turtles. We even got uh, uh, a a nurse, a um, Someone who works in in with amphibians and reptiles, and also uh, someone who was actually involved in the uh, medical field, but transitioned to something a lot different. We had the audio for that, um, actually, as our fifth episode. Um, so right now it's episode six, I believe. Correct? Yes, believe so. Okay. So we have that going on. It's a really, it's a really interesting introspective uh, discussion where we kind of discuss about success and the challenges. So it was, it was a really nice experience. So uh, make sure you should check up on that. Uh, but for this uh, episode and then the following two episodes, actually, we're going to be discussing about the ethics in science. So there is a... There's a specific field in uh, in ethics um, that I know that we don't really have this here in, in our university, but in some, it's kind of seen as a requirement to take. Uh, this is a field known as bioethics. So to kind of briefly define what bioethics is, it's mainly the, um, the study of the ethical issues emerging from advances in both biology and in medicine. So... It kind of applies some some of the applied ethics and philosophy, as well as the um, pretty much in also uh, in science and where they kind of just check on whether certain protocols that are reproducible are morally permissible, and also kind of showing you how you would treat test subjects, whether it be humans, animals, or wh- whatever it might be, how you would treat it, and what is the justification for conducting them, and some of the boundaries that shouldn't be crossed. This could also apply to also uh, policies when treating with patients, whether if you're a doctor or a pharmacist, you're supposed to be, depending on how they, uh, we call it, um, how they will give out prescriptions, how they interact with one another, what would be the best case, if something bad happens, what would be the best thing to follow. Those types of things kind of fall in this this realm. I did mention that there, uh, in, in the research, there is a bunch of controversial uh, moral dilemmas that we face in our field. Uh, some of the things that I have listed here is kind of like stem cell research seems to be one of the bigger issues. Organismal cloning, transgenic modifications of organisms, which is just pretty much putting foreign DNA into someone and pretty much modifying their entire genome of like classical conditioning back in psychology used to be kind of a, a big deal. Um, testing out some drugs or vaccines that may cause some pretty much uh, acute or chronic uh, side effects. Uh, euthanasia is also another big thing, whether or not uh, if a patient, if a patient or someone wants to die uh, or they feel like they live a very fulfilling life, they will asked to uh, maybe a patient, this is only, I don't even know it's legal in our state, but I know in some countries they allow this, where 
they can ask to actually for the for the doctor to actually kill themselves in, in the form of a assisted suicide. It's a really touchy subject. Others uh, that I've seen is the creation of synthetic organs. I know 3D printing seems to be a thing, as well as um, I think like even being able to uh, to modify uh, cells to go back to stem cells, and then actually bringing forth differentiating into actual the organs that is desirable. That's another cool thing. Um, and then also another thing is just kind of like invasive. Uh, surgical procedures that um may, you know that might be new and not really like thought out and there's a lot of things like maybe even using machines could be really something that might be a problem those types of things kind of fall, uh, all fall in the realm about ethics and it's one of the more interesting things to talk about especially through debating and whatnot so this is how it is we're going to try to do these next episodes this is going to be part one of of, of a three-parter we're going to have discussing pretty much the three um, common normative ethics that I that I kind of like I was able to learn back when I was an undergrad. And I feel like these are like the main ones that a lot of people use in how they can define whether something is good, right or wrong. Um, so we're going to this is how it is. So the first we'll be talking about utilitarianism and then we'll explain more what, what the hell that is actually is. But um, we can need to also define about what, what what viewpoint of morality that we have before we actually go into it. Then the the, the second part would be pretty much on deontology, and the third one would be on virtue ethics. We will give more information about that once the episodes come around. So that's kind of the introduction for this, uh, for how these next parts are going to be, and I, I feel like it'll be really interesting to hear y'all's uh, viewpoint about these types of uh, ethical theories and applying them to these more dilemmas that we see in biology and also in the medical field. The next thing I wanted to talk about before we actually discuss about utilitarianism is uh, a really weird branch in philosophy. I actually never got a chance to actually uh, to take a course on this, but it was, it was kind of like reference in there it's a field known as metaethics. Uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with this, but it's a, it's a, it's a pretty much that the uh, metaethics is pretty much the nature of morality. So this is whether uh, certain actions are considered to be objectively or objectively good or true because there are some true values that you know that these things are things that you shouldn't do or these are things that you should or ought to do. Or if it's something that a person just feels is uh, is right or wrong, there isn't any objective truth to the the actions. It's just whether on a different mm-hmm. person's attitudes or beliefs. Those are the kind of things that we're trying to define. It's really meta-like, as as the name. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you uh, run across a few common uh, types of of uh, worldviews. That uh, and just kind of see which one of these uh, you think you fall into or follow whenever you are defining something, you're defining your your morality. So let's start with the first one, which is uh, moral realism. So this uh, worldview states that objective that there are objective facts on what is morally right and morally wrong that they do exist. So no matter what the case may be, so 
they are always things that will always be inherently wrong or good. So usually these are kind of grounded by various things, whether it's through God or whether it's through a common consensus or just straight up like it is what it is. Um, so this can be like the common thing that killing is always wrong, no matter what the case may be. Or lying at certain points, no matter what it is, is usually always also, we call it morally impermissible to do. Um, this also applies to good acts, where they're saying like you should always give uh, or be altruistic at all times. That's something that would be something that's objectively, uh, it could could be objectively true. Another type of this is a, another type of moral realism. This one's a really, and I think this is this one is usually has a lot of critics out there. Is a moral or cultural relativism. So this one is similar to how realism works, but in this case, the objective facts and moral values are different from the people from people from different cultures. So one culture may have objective truths that the act of let's say burning someone alive is a good thing, objectively true, while a different culture might believe that's completely outrageous and say that's that's real that's wrong, morally wrong. Um these actions, like I said, um, it kind of just depends on how belief the belief system works. But they state that they have the true values. It's not. It has nothing to do with, with subjective views. It doesn't matter what the person believes. It's rather what the entire group believes in. Um, another kind of is uh, more naturalism, which is pretty much these views that the things that are good or morally wrong. These are grounded objectively by what we can see in nature. So I think there's a lot of things that in science that we, a lot of us are kind of considered to be natural naturalisms, because these things we can tell things are, are grounded by testing and making sure these tests can be made uh, feasible. So another thing is it doesn't matter what a person thinks. So this is completely to be mind independent. So it all that matters is whether or not the um, the results. Or that gives you know gives whether something is right or right or wrong or, or true. The next one, uh, kind of the counter to realism, is actually moral anti-realism. So this is a weird uh, epistemological position where a person believes that there is no objective truth whatsoever, like at all. This is pretty much um, a specific type of. of Anti-realism is moral subjectivism, which pretty much states that actions are neither right nor wrong, but it it there are people that have certain preferences. So that whether they know you know this is something I would prefer to do rather than this alternative action. It's not the fact that it is wrong, right or wrong, because it is objectively true. Or there's objective moral values. It states that there isn't. Another one is more nihilism, which states that there are no more facts in our universe. What actions? It's not. It's not even like how you feel. It's just straight up saying that actions are not wrong and or or right. They're just things you do, if that makes sense. So, based. I know I, I was saying a lot of things, but based on those types of definitions, which of those views do y'all kind of follow into, or which one do you believe? How you think or how you define morality. So real, real quick uh, clarification question, Joseph, for the listeners. Um, 
a lot of times people distinguish between morality and ethics. Um, morality being sort of an individual's views on what is right and ethics being sort mm -hmm. of a collectivist or like cultural view on what is right. The clarification question is, is there a difference between what is colloquially known as ethics and moral slash cultural relativism that you're aware of? That I'm currently aware of, like the difference between those two? Mm -hmm. mm, that's kind of, uh, I'm not too sure about that. Unless it's like, if you're referring to uh, certain rules that a culture culture has to follow, yeah. to say like, yeah, this is this is something that is that you should have to follow. I feel like that still kind of falls in line with uh, with F, if with uh, with ethics in a way, because I, yeah. I know this one's mostly based based on how we define morality, which is it's it is different to what it means by, you know, ethics, because that one's just saying whether something is right or wrong, not not just the, the how you define morality, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just curious if there was, like, a, a general answer. Um, I think, like, when I think about it, it's sort of, like, the difference might be that moral slash cultural relativism maybe has... Well, it's it's tough because, like, I would say that that has like implications into like what someone ought to do, whereas like ethics might just mm -hmm. be like a cultural difference that really like it doesn't hold as much weight as mm -hmm. like the ought word, but like it's just kind of it's almost more of like a preference. Like I don't know. Um, maybe that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe Hispanic I, culture is like like to put more emphasis on the family unit, whereas like, um, sort of Western cultures traditionally put more emphasis on the individual unit. Like, I wouldn't say that one is like objectively right or wrong, and it doesn't carry like moral implications. It's just sort of like an ethical preference. I don't know. So what? What you're saying is that different cultures more likely feel like they they don't have a sense of what is object like the, the moral values they don't see it as seen as objectively true they just have different preference. Well, uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is like I guess sort of the framework I'm trying to establish is that you can have certain cultural preferences, but still be mm -hmm. like a moral realist or something like that. Um, or like a, oh, okay. a list. certain like cultural preferences that you can have that don't carry as much like for lack of better words moral gravity I was say dude that was that was about that was a really good thing because what I was gonna say that the extremes of each of these types of like moral frameworks I mean you can't you can't just have all of them you can you can definitely have like a combination of these types of, because you can't just say like, well, you, you might have certain preferences, but there's some things that you just know that are objectively true or false. I think I think that's where he was getting at. Yeah, I think so too. So I'll say that, so 
kind of background for me is that um, in high school, I took a class that's called Moral Theology. And that ended up talking about some of these different uh, topics. And then uh, in college, I, I um, did a lot of stuff with leadership. And so, of course, we talk about ethics and leadership as well. So with a lot of this, I remember, especially in my moral theology class, there, was a di there is a difference between moral realism and moral slash cultural relativism. There are some things mm -hmm. that, like, kind of go above them and they don't really, there's not like a moral context to them. They just kind of, they, they're like the family. Like it's not necessarily a moral thing. It's just, it's sometimes that does like, it can color how you think, but there's not necessarily like a moral part to it per, per se. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest with, I'm more of a moral, moral uh, realism. Uh, the reason being, is I will say honestly I'm a Catholic, um, so I very much mm -hmm. agree with a lot of the Catholic principles, and that was I really do appreciate my moral theology class I went through in high school, um, for a lot of the stuff I know. With so I I would say that the the so the issue I have with moral slash cultural relativism, feel free to kind of combat me on it, is that um. With relativism, it's very much kind of individ individual. I know you said it's also culture, but it's also individual mm -hmm. as well and what they think is right and wrong. And that's that can be very dangerous. I mean, definitely to the extremes, it can be very dangerous. Some cultures, it's okay to not, I don't really think we have many that are that way, but like killing people per, per se, like for an example, if one culture said that killing or one person said killing's okay, that's fine with me. And if we're all moral relativists, it'd be like, okay, well, like, it might be bad for me, but it's fine for you. So that's okay. That's a very scary thing, taken especially to extremes. Um, and so that's why I would say that that's not a very good idea um, to be more just a rel relativist. There are some things that are right and wrong. There's a lot of gray for sure, but there are some things that are right and wrong. And um, it's one of those, it does, I would say context does matter. Um, I know that with anti-real, moral, when you mentioned moral anti-realism made me think of amoral. Like that's mm -hmm. the term that just immediately popped in my head. Um, that's, yeah, that's exactly uh, what anti-realism is. It's just like, yeah, you don't care. Really about what, what is right or wrong. It's just like, you just do it. Yeah, that made me think of, I don't know if y'all have seen um, oh, Jessica Jones uh, on Netflix, uh, but that made me think of the bad guy in the first couple seasons, which is Kilgrave. He is completely amoral, and it's just, he does whatever he wants because it helps him. I think he has some moral realism in it and because it's one of those, um, or no, he had some Mm, he kind of had some nihilism that nothing matters, but he definitely was immoral and kind of just does whatever he wants to make him feel happy. But personally, though, I would say I'm moral. I'm more of a moral realist, and there are some things that are right and wrong. Killing an innocent person is wrong. I'd say that's for sure wrong. Um, like all cases. It's an innocent person, so yeah, it's. 
Uh, okay. So in in the Catholic Church, one of our uh, something that you probably heard the phrase multiple times: the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Well, if you look at the Catholic Church, we don't always agree to that necessarily. So, with what I mean by that is, if you look at, especially if you look at the Bible, but also like other things that the church has taught, we care about those one or two that have gone astray. You hear about the good shepherd and that he leaves 99 to go after mm-hmm. the one. It's not just about the whole group. While we do care about the whole group, and it's important to make sure that the, the group as a whole is taken care of, we do care about the individual as well. Um, right, right. So, yeah, I, th- I feel like I went off on yeah. that. I'm sorry. No, no, that makes sense. Like, uh, I, I see that you, you, you have your moral values objective by. Uh, by, by the sounds of it, by your faith and and also religion and into the Bible, is, is that what I'm what I'm th- uh, thinking? Or what are you saying? Basically, yeah. Faith and and, and some of, some of the. Oh, okay. Faith or teaching. Another thing, or yeah. Oh, okay, and I wanted did wanted to touch on about the whole cultural relativism. Uh, there, like, yeah, I feel like the extreme. That's why a lot. Of, that's why a lot of people don't really like it because, pretty much, no culture, you can't say anything about whether or not their actions are right or wrong, even how despicable the actions may be. So even if you consider the, uh, I guess, uh, Hitler's uh, I- ideal thing of the whole killing of people, mm-hmm. as something that's morally right, because he believed that, and there's a lot of people also believe that he was also objectively right and he had his reasons mm-hmm. but in nowadays that we don't see that we see that as just wrong but in the uh, in in the worldview of cultural relativism he's right and we, we shouldn't say much about it you know yeah also that's also uh, i'll go for no, it i was just gonna say that's kind of scary to me it's one of those like being okay with every it's I don't know. Like, that's just kind of scary. Oh, because there are some things that are right and wrong. Eugenics is not right. It is wrong. Um, so, like, just having, if we were all more relativists, like, having to agree that that's okay would really bother me. But that's kind of, I guess, like, me and... Hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot eugenics was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> eugenics there's also i mean different religions uh don't uh, teach that you shouldn't have you shouldn't do i mean this goes into like vaccine anti-vax and stuff like that um but like it also goes into um some will accept like blood transfusions others won't um i think jehovah witness is one of the ones that like there's they're very picky on um in, med- in the medical field they've had issues with them like coming in for um for different procedures and they end up like they they end up not being able to accept them because they're like it's against my faith and I'm not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So you do have like that's an ethical dilemma. How do you how do you handle that? Because you want to save them. It's part of the Hippocratic oath. But that mm-hmm. that goes with euthanasia. That's kind of what I I wonder about is like if you take a Hippocratic oath which says that you're not gonna kill, how do how do you justify that? 
Is that? Yeah, sorry, I feel like I'm like now completely interrupted. I, I feel like that one, yeah. No, that, that is interesting. Um, that, that's where you start to get into the patient autonomy that's right. and mm-hmm. like um, Can, whether people are have the faculties to make like those kinds of decisions. Yeah. Um, so, Frank, I wanted to because uh, I uh, yeah, that yeah, was one thing consent, you mentioned sure. about. I think it was also about cultural relativism and moral subjectivism. I felt like uh, that. There, that there could be like a combination of these type of worldviews together mm-hmm. to help to help uh, I guess to find out one a person an individual's uh, metaphysical mm-hmm. worldview mm-hmm. is that what you were talking about initially? Yeah. So um, I guess what I was trying to do is get from mm-hmm. the theoretical to the practical and i know that you kind of once you start doing that you kind of get away from meta ethics but um i think oftentimes people don't mm-hmm. function at, like within the bounds of a single meta ethical like category like i think you're right i think it often times does overlap and so um one scenario that i i was thinking about just to like put it in plain terms was like um the christian Mm -hmm. like i don't know the person like from hispanic culture that is also a devout christian um because i feel like there are certain ethics that an individual may have Mm -hmm. that don't necessarily um like fall into a meta-ethical category um they just like kind of they're just like views that a person has that don't necessarily like to, to say that their preferences is to like seriously, um, I don't know, mis- maybe misrepresent or like mis um, characterize the views that certain people have based on their cultures, mm-hmm. but in a way that they are sort of like preferences, like again, just to kind of fall back on this example, like, depending on like the family unit versus depending on the individual uh as like the unit um but um yeah i i'm not sure if i was even saying anything substantive i was just kind of trying to um see if there were any uh clarifications on the difference Mm -hmm. between ethics and um relativism but uh i yeah since there isn't um at least one that we that we know of, uh, I think it's probably okay to just kind of move on. Yeah, go for um, it. I can talk about my own view, though. I think I cut out before I had the chance to do that. Um, yeah, no. So I would categorize probably my view as a natural law based ethic. Uh, that is teleological um, and kind of like Elizabeth, like I am Catholic and mm-hmm. in Catholic philosophical ethics, like Aquinas kind of is the man. So um, 
Yeah. So like it viewed in light of like other things, like we kind of tend to adhere to his um, philosophical, uh, yeah, just philosophical theories and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. If, if I had to categorize that it, so it would probably be a combination of like moral realism and moral naturalism. Um, but yeah. But it's sort of weird because again, there's like like Elizabeth yeah. said, there's a lot of gray area, and sometimes categories don't quite nice, uh, nice. work. For me, um, I so, would probably be around yeah. the range of uh, more naturalism and actually um, more uh, subjectivism, to be honest, because I I do feel like depending on certain actions can. They, they can't always be right or wrong because I feel like in some situation you gotta change it up where those those I guess deployable the not not deployable but like just terrible acts can would have to be morally permissible in certain cases and um yeah I mean I do have preferences where like if there is a better alternative to something that will bring the most I guess good. But again, that's kind of hard to define what actually what good is to begin with. If I'm just being more self-centered or if it's just the good of, 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 of a society or a uh, given population of humans mm-hmm. or whatnot. I guess. Now go for it. Yeah. So we get. Oh, sorry. That's- yeah. Yeah. I, I was just gonna say, so we just saying, be like, there. I, I feel like if, we just, if there's like a, a, a particular agreement or consensus to whether something, an action should be done in this given scenario, then that would be something that I would follow. Or I feel like that would be something that would be good to do or bad. And that's that's the idea that we can work upon whether something is good. And maybe there are actions mm-hmm. actions uh, that are you know more values that are absolute, but. I don't know. I really don't know because I don't know how they would be grounded in the first place. Most of the some, some of the groundings that y'all stated, I like I based on my worldview because I used to be Catholic as well when I was younger, and I was really devoted into into my faith. Uh, but starting um, around high school and then also as I went to college, I became a little bit more agnostic, and it's kind of just be questioning about a lot of the stuff they say in scriptures and whatnot. So at that point, it's just like the best thing that I can see that to help ground things is pretty much what we see in nature and Mm -hmm. not through, I don't know, like some of the things that may be theological in nature or something that, something a little bit more abstract. I would like to see more, I guess, data to actually explain some, some of these actions to say like these things are right or wrong. If that makes sense of you. Yeah, that's Aquinas would be good to, for you to read them because he is very much he thinks mm-hmm. a lot up in the air, but he does have a lot of like facts that are not just theology. Theology, so highly recommend him. Nice. Yeah, he's awesome. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. No problem. No. Thanks for sharing, Joseph. That's pretty cool to hear your perspective. I wish Billicus was here. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
It's like the saddest yeah, thing. Said, I, I wish Bill was up? here. Yeah. Yeah, she would have. She's so like eloquent when she talks to you. Like she would have a some good stuff to say. Yeah. But, but um, yeah. Do you, okay, so, uh, Joseph. Do you, do you like when people um talk about moral realism, or I think is moral realism basically the same universal thing as moral? Laws. Um, I think it's universalism. Yeah, that sounds like natural. Like basically, law to me. both have the idea that it's just like there's. Yeah, like, I feel like that sounds like natural law. I think they fall yeah, in like the category right of uh, you, more uh, uh, realism. Yeah. Like a subcategory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I think I kind of answered my own question, but it was more or less going to be like, what's your view on going even further than just the fact that you disagree with it? Like, how do you respond to people who uh, assert that there is like objective good well, and bad? Like in your own Let me life, see if I can think of an example moral of a case where um, maybe doing a, a bad thing would be something that you should be able to do. Um, there might be cases where um, I would say killing may be necessary, especially like, say, for example, that and this, these are really just weird hypotheticals that I was just thinking of, like, what happens if like your family was pretty much kidnapped by some sort of like in a home invasion and they're going to kill, you're going to kill them. And then you have a gun and you have to, you know, you just pretty much protect yeah. yourself. Would it be right to actually shoot them? Actually, no. Should it, would it be morally permissible to do it? In my case, it would be yes. But in y'all's views, it would be morally wrong. No. If that makes sense. Clearly. Really? No. So that's okay. So, there are degrees of, so killing is generally wrong, but there are, that's the gray, is the, um, how do you define that? And I mean, one of, I know um, Aquinas really talked about it a lot, but there's, so if you're under duress or something, or like, if you're under duress like that, then it's one of those, like, you are you're allowed to defend yourself. Self-defense is allowed in the Catholic Church. And I mean, they understand that. It's one of those, it's going to be on your conscience, but it is allowed. As well as like defending others. If you're defending an innocent person or innocent people like your family, then yeah, that's allowed. You're allowed to protect them. And that's why you're allowed to be a soldier. And you can be in the military and be Catholic. Like we have a problem with defending like people. Yeah. There is. Well, that's so weird, though, because yeah. what I feel is that just ending someone's life is still the act of kid it, killing. And that's just, I mean, yeah, you're putting context to it, but I still feel like killing is, well, you're still ending someone's life. And I feel like that contradicts to what the scripture says. It does to some extent. So it doesn't completely contradict. Um, like, so, okay. I think the best way to explain this. So. It's one of those, it's still a sin to kill. So yes, you're mm. not supposed to kill, but there are times when it is necessary or there are things that come up to where 
you're trying to do the lesser of two evils in a way. So it's it's a gray and it's rough. They will say that it's a sin. Yes, you're not supposed to kill. Thou shalt not kill. Um, but mm-hmm. you, you're you under duress. So the sin on you isn't as bad as like if you intentionally went and killed someone. So in the Catholic Church, there's a difference between a mortal sin and a venial sin. So mortal sin, you mm-hmm. know you, it's a serious act. You know it's wrong and you do it anyway. Those are the three requirements. So like right. if you went, if you premeditated, so premeditated murder, that's bad. That is a mortal sin. If you. So let, let me uh, just say something. So based on what you're thinking is mainly about the intention of the action, not the action, the, the action itself. Wait, so can I piggyback off this? Cause I, I just cut out, but I think I'm still following the conversation. Already, yeah. I was just like Elizabeth was kind of explaining like the idea that I mean, if you have the intention to uh, that are that are righteous in nature or virtue, where you're just protecting someone, then that kind of justifies the act itself. Yeah. But if the action that that the, like the idea like you are trying to do harm to someone because of evil intents, then that would be something as I guess sinful. Is that what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, what I'm so I think I see where you're coming from. Basically, it's like, so what you're saying is that killing is inherently bad, which it is, and that the mean, mm-hmm. the end of, like, so, like, just because you are willing something good, which is, like, defending yourself, that doesn't necessarily justify the inherently evil end, which is killing someone. Um Right. So the so I think what Elizabeth was saying is or describing is something called the principle of double effect, and um, mm-hmm. basically, or is that something that you've heard of before or not? I think this is maybe the first time I'm hearing it. Okay, so but I feel like I've heard it before. Yeah. So proposed in the Summa again, Aquinas. But basically, four conditions have to be satisfied for something to be, like, morally permissible. Um, and mm-hmm. basically, the idea is that you're tolerating an unintended evil for a proportionate good. Um, and the four conditions are that, like, the action must be morally good or indifferent um, as to, like, the object, motive, and circumstances of the act. I haven't pulled up here. I don't have this memorized. I just... Um, <laughs> but yeah, two is nice. like that the um basically the bad effects are only tolerated and not directly willed. Um so in the case of killing someone, um you might say that the that the action the object of the action is um to defend your family. And, like, the mm-hmm. bad effect, obviously, is that, like, someone who is attacking you is dying. Um, you don't want them to die, uh, but, like, it just kind of happens. Like, say, like, you're defending your family with, like, a baseball bat or something like that. Um, or, or, mm-hmm. or even a better example would be, like, someone who, like, carries a gun for home defense. Um, That's so, Yeah, so you're going to shoot the person and, like, hopefully you're not shooting to kill you're just shooting to like immobilize the person or something like that um but again the object is to immobilize the person the bad effect is that they might die uh the third yeah effect must be caused at least directly 
uh, Azabad. So, um, yeah, so like in that case, the fact that you are mobilizing the person directly correlates with the fact that you're saving your family. Um, so like, I guess what, like, what probably wouldn't be permissible is like if you saw someone walking around your house or something like that, you just assume that they were up to no good and shot them. That would not be the <laughs> same as like looking someone sus. coming yeah. at you with a knife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Don't do that. And then the, the, the fourth is like the good effect I would... must be proportionate to compensate for the bad. So, I'm... like, again, saving your family is like equal or better to the bad of someone dying. Um, I'm just going to say, bro. Say if, if we're playing Among Us right now and I see something suspicious and everyone says that that, that person is suspicious, we're killing that person straight up. I'm just saying, like, if we have enough evidence <laughs> that leads to someone has died and this person was there at some point or doing something weird, then that can give us, I guess, enough evidence to say, like, oh, this dude was probably the killer or the imposter. I don't know if y'all played Among Us before. So you're talking like in the... Uh, uh, I, have, I don't think I've played that game. But I've seen um, stuff for it. Oh, goodness. And it is, You're missing now. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I'm like, I want to, but I'm like, but I got my thesis I got right. I ain't got time for that. I feel maybe, maybe like winter winter party, like we play this game. Or actually, no, maybe spring party, because hopefully things will be back to kind of normal yeah, by then. Yeah, for sure. Um, following COVID, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do. I actually do agree with what y'all saying. In some point, uh, at some point. Um, I will say though that yeah. what happens if a person who's actually doing a terrible act, well, had the intention of doing one, but ended up doing something good as the outcome or the consequence of that. Uh, so if someone was like, I don't know, like someone was going to like commit a robbery and then, I don't know, like someone else was committing the robbery. So they ended up yeah. saving everyone or something like that. that, that's a, that could be example. About, like that. So like you're, you're about to rob the cashier and you got, you pointing the gun in and someone, someone in started, does a double robbery. And then he's like, Hey, what are you doing, man? And you just, you just like pistol whip him. And then, and then you just get the hell out of there. <laughs> and the dude's unconscious uh, and then the cashier just like yeah. calling 911. And that's actually a good act right there. Yeah. I mean, like in that case, I would just say like you prevented a robbery. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that, like, I guess the principle of double effect would apply um, because, uh, like, the evil act is, like, you pistol whipping someone, in, um, <laughs> which is not, I mean, it's not a great thing. But, like, in that moment, the person's objective wasn't to rob the convenience store. Their objective was to, I don't know, prevent a cashier from getting shot or something. Oh, um, but... Yeah, so but I, that was his objective, though. Yes. To, to to rob the cashier, but since someone else came in, first. he he yeah yeah. I mean, I would argue that in that moment it changed. Um, obviously, like 
if he still robbed like like he went into it with the objective of robbing the yep. cashier but like in that moment he was just trying to prevent a death like it's still bad that he wanted to um yeah i don't know i guess i kind of don't see the oh of that one like i see that as two distinct like acts or intentions but maybe i'm just missing something um which is definitely yeah i was possible. saying that the second dude i was robbing um he i mean the dude just like he just he just knocked him out not because someone was gonna he, didn't, he was trying to prevent a death he was just knocking him out because he was about to jack he was about to steal his uh his money that he, he wanted to get that's what <laughs> oh Okay, I, I understand I understand what you're saying now. Yeah. So in that case, like that would just be bad. Like he, he didn't do anything good. It was just a, a bad um action that I happened disagree to have good Because <laughs> like that's still good action though. But no no no, this is good. Intention is important. Yeah. I feel I think I see what you're saying. Intention yeah. is still a thing, though, and it is. I would say that it's important yeah. with your actions, and that's kind of. I feel like that goes with like, with the moral yeah. relativism. Is like, you're. Is it? Some people think it's good. Some people think it's not, and it's more of your like. How do you feel about that? So I mean, I don't know. That's. Well, I, like I said, I don't think that they're all objective truths. I feel like it's just based on someone's preference. I don't think that they're all objective, actual objective truths, unless, like I said, it's just kind of just based on what the people say or based on the natural world around us. We can uh, discuss more about this as we kind of go into the debate, but I do want to at least bring up this uh, this this uh, normative ethical theory and see what y'all think about it. I- Okay, so sure. this we wanted to discuss about is this idea of utilitarianism, which kind of falls into well, not even kind of, but it falls into uh, one of the one of the theories of like consequentialism, which deals with the outcome or the consequence of an action. So, with utilitarianism, the best way to kind of describe it is that the best or the morally uh, best outcome. Or best action is the one that produces the one the outcome that produces the most uh, the most happiness or, or pleasure and reduces the most pain. Yep. So, if we're trying to minimize pain and uh, imp- and uh, increase pleasure, um, let's say. I think you should bring up a, that we call it the trolley experiment real quick. On a... Oh, cool. Dude, your trolley experiment makes me laugh. It's, it's... But, no, no, because you, yours is like the fat man falls on the, uh, on the that's, tracks. That's actually a variation like of it I... that a lot of people actually don't want to do. So. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I think the, oh, the, okay, the classical cool. one is the one was like, you got a train going and it's going to one that's about to kill five people. And then there's, it produces kind of like a Y. Mm-hmm. And then the other track, there's one person on the field. Okay. 
on the on the track. The one or the five. That's those options. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the yeah. thing is, you're not you 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 add a lever. You're not actually like killing someone. You just kind of pull the lever, and it will show the train will go to the other one, killing a single person and saving the other five, or it'll kill the five and save the one person if you don't. Based on this theory, uh, to produce the most pleasure, and by the way, the most pleasure is not just a pleasure for you, but anyone that's involved. So you're considering everyone else's, like, you're trying to minimize the most pain out of everyone. And the best way to do so would be saving the five people by pulling the lever and killing that one person. The other variation of this that Frankie was talking about was like, there's a train and it's about to uh, kill five people. It's just like, and it's kind of like under a bridge. You see a, a, a fat person standing near the edge. It's just like, oh my God, it, it, the train's going to kill those five people. But if I do that, I'm going to kill him. But I'm going to save these five people. So you go ahead and do it. You push him, the dude's screaming to his dev, and he lands with a a big splat train comes in and it just comes to a complete stop saving the five people but in this case you're not pulling the lever you're actually intentionally killing someone just to save people's lives so i think the question i wanted to ask y'all is like based on those two scenarios what would have you done yeah so so based in like um i kind of don't want to mess this up but based on my understanding of catholic mm -hmm. moral thought those two scenarios would be treated differently yeah. okay um so in the first scenario you can apply the principle of double effect because the object of your action objects meaning like what is like essentially um the chosen not, not, not something serious, but like what is like the action inherently geared toward? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, um, yeah, so the action of, or the object of the action is that you're trying to pull the lever to save the five people or save the one person. I can't remember. Um, yeah, yeah, save the one person. Um, you do not intend to kill the five people, um, but it happens even then actually come to think of it i'm not sure if you could apply the principle of double effect if it was if you're um killing five people to save the one because there has to be an equal or greater good um that comes from your action i mean so the i mean yeah the greater good is that you're saving uh -huh. the most lives and i'm assuming that these people are young and they have a lot of life yeah. and potential to live. If we're, if we're considering that everyone's like around the same age um, and not considering that there's people that are old, that these people are criminals, stuff like that. These are just like regular citizens, yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think traditionally in the, in the classic trolley or train uh, scenario, you can apply the principle of double effect um, assuming that there's an equal or greater good. Um, but with the fat man mm -hmm. uh, variation, you can't apply the principle of double effects because the object of that action is like 
killing the man because like he like you you know that pushing him down is gonna result in a big splat um and even if you will the good which is like stopping the train like you can't avoid the fact that like pushing someone over a bridge is like going to kill them um so in that case i think the morally right thing to do would be to just like do nothing so um at least i'm pretty sure that's like what traditional moral catholic uh or sorry so you're just like oh it is what it is they're gonna die if i intervene i'm i'm actually causing the death of someone intentionally yeah yeah yeah. so like it like not not to like to keep it completely theoretical you would have to just like watch basically yeah do nothing that hurts a lot (laughs) i know elizabeth so i mean i'm a big fan of spock one of the one of his big quotes is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one and as i was telling uh, joseph earlier Catholic view is we value everybody, including the one. You hear the story in the Bible of the 99 sheep. The good shepherd goes out, mm-hmm. leaves 99 to go save the one. Yeah. So we value everybody, including the one, not just the group. Um, so that's one of those. That's yeah. why it's a hard call in both scenarios. Because there is the needs of the many, and we do value that. But we also value the one. So, Yeah. It's a hard system. I mean, yeah. Yes. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is you y'all wouldn't pull the lever, you wouldn't mess with it, and you wouldn't do anything with the fat dude or fat person. No, I think I think in the mm-hmm. uh, classical trolley problem. I wait, okay, wait, wait. Can you okay. clarify something? Because I can't remember. Um, in the classical trolley problem. Is it you're pulling the lever to save one person and kill five, or you're pulling the lever Wait, to what? kill five people and save one? Or sorry, sorry, are you are you pulling the lever to kill five people and save one? No, the reverse. Or the reverse of that. <laughs> you see, pulling you, the lever to save the five. So you're pull and killing the one person. Mm. Okay, 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 cool, cool. Yeah. So yeah. okay, that's a lot easier actually. Um, yeah, because in that case, you can definitely apply the principle of double effect. Um, so you definitely pull the lever. The object is pulling the lever to save five mm-hmm. people, um, and the direct or the proportional or even greater good is that you're saving five people and tolerating the bad thing, which is um, the death of yeah. that one person. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the fat man scenario, you can't like you can't push the man over because like you're like the the direct ob- object of the action is killing them um, it's intention issue do you it. intend yeah. to kill do you intend not to kill i mean that's that's part of i'd say the issue with some of this is what are your intentions what is your thought behind it if you have malicious intent that's a problem if you don't have malicious intent then it's a little different with the one with the fat person, I would wonder, well, why don't you instead fall off and see if that works? I'm not sure. <laughs> because the action of just someone stepping in front would actually stop it. So. We're, we're assuming. Yeah. Go for it. It's a little. 
And as you say, it's a little bit different than intent because, like, when you talk about the object of an action, it's something that is, like, inescapable. Like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy and I can't. It's just, like, I'm actually going to Google this. So, as you say, it truly carries five people or is about to hit five people. Yes. It's about to hit five people. Okay. Like, in its current path. Okay. But you could you could change the path where it only kills one person by pulling on a lever, okay. so it'll change it'll change its uh, destination. So you'll save the five people, but you'll kill one person. What would you do in this no. case? Oh, uh, that's very tough. If I don't want to kill how, anyone, <laughs> how, how, how about I make it? How, how about I make it a little bit tougher on okay. you? Imagine now this this train is is under is going under an, an overpass or a bridge and it's about to kill five people. You can't you can't switch anything. It's gonna go straight to it. You, you, so you're just like, oh my god, this this train's gonna kill those five people. They can't escape. And then you see another you see a fat person there. And he's like, oh my god, they're gonna die. And he's like, huh, if I if I push this fat dude down, uh, he'll stop oh, the train no. based on based on his current rate. Nah. So <laughs> what would you do there? It's like sacrifice <laughs> one to save <laughs> No. Yes. Um, I think. Um, so. I don't know. I think the difference is the intention. If if I'm intentionally trying to kill someone to save other people, that's not fair, because um, I mean, what is the scenario where I couldn't even like. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to intentionally kill someone to save other people. You know, like if it's just an accident where, mm-hmm. you know, whether you like it or not, you like, okay, so initially, I'm not like intentionally killing, I'm not intentionally trying to kill the five people, right? But then once I try to sacrifice one person, to save the other people, then I'm intentionally actually killing somebody. I think I'd rather right. just let all five of us go. I think the, the intention oh, sorry, is different sorry. for me. Like, because if an accident is gonna happen, it's gonna happen that you didn't cause that to happen, right? So, whether you yeah. like it or not, it might have actually killed those five people because I mean, yeah, but then. Me intentionally choosing to kill someone, I think that's where that's the difference for me. Nah, I'm not gonna do that. At least I didn't cause. Like I'm mean, still, because now thinking about it, I feel like I'm now then intentionally killing five people and saving one person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I I I think most of us well, y'all y'all in the same boat <laughs> of like. Of the intention of just like you don't want because there's a point where you make a choice and then you have to like weigh the pro and the con of that choice and it's just one of those things can you live with it or not you know yes okay so i looked up the um definition of an object and i think I don't know. It's kind of hard to find. I think it goes back to like Aristotle. Um, you know, 
like the Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Like he talks about that kind of stuff. Um, so this is just a um, sort of a random website, but it's basically saying that like the object of a moral act is like what the act is aimed at. So like okay. in this case, the object of the act would be like a human um, person versus like a lever. So like, um, yeah. So like basically what are you directly acting upon? Um, and then like, depending on what the object is that determines the nature of the act. So like, if you push the fat guy mm-hmm. over the bridge, or like onto the train tracks, like the object of the act is the yeah. man, and the nature of the act is evil because the man is good, and you are ending something that is good. Um, whereas, like with the lever, um, I don't know if you can actually. I don't know if like the lever is like good <laughs> or evil, but like, yeah, not really good or evil, but like. The fact that the lever is acting to divert the train uh, away from five people, I guess, and, and you know, save five lives, which are good, good things. Like that makes mm-hmm. it a good act. And then again, you just apply the principle of double effect. So yeah, I don't know. That's I, I definitely need to read up, read up on um, like the object of acts and stuff like that and the nature of acts. What I was going to say, because um, you mentioned that the fat person as, you know, as someone that is good, remember that uh, for utilitarianism, that one, so for both of the actions, the first one you would, as utilitarianism, you would pull the lever because that you would produce the most happiness like that. But the idea right. is that if there's no alternative, so this is pretty much three alternatives that I'm seeing for the most part. Well, maybe four if you really want to sacrifice yourself, where you're just like, if you're at the lever, he's like, oh my God, they're going to kill the people. I don't want to pull the lever. Maybe if I can just stop, if I can just stop it by myself. <laughs> but at that point, you're killing six people. It is an option. <laughs> it is an option, but. May not be good, but it exists. <laughs> I don't know, it's just that's, that's funny. Another thing is you can pull the lever and just try to stop the hitting from that one person, but again, I don't know, it kind of depends. But for the, we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to think of the all the alternatives out there that would produce the most amount of good. It's, it's not, it's not, we're trying not to, pain like, is going to be inevitable. inevitable no matter what. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's it's one of those, no matter what happens, there's going to be consequences to your actions, whether it's an inaction, which is an action, or it's an action doing mm-hmm. something. But yeah, I, I agree with Vilikas, though, and I thought that her explanation was really interesting. I really liked that. That, like, yeah, can you deal with a death on your hands? And how many deaths can you deal with on your hands? I, I, I hadn't thought about that until this point. And not being your fault if the train's going mm-hmm. in the wrong direction. That's very true, though. You didn't start it. It was already that way. Yeah. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. Like, I hadn't thought about that. 
you can also consider that if someone was actually driving the train to begin with, or if it's just fully automated. True. Yeah, yeah the more the more fun one is probably the mm-hmm. fully automated yeah. one, I'd say. Alrighty. But, um, um, let's see if we can try to uh, apply this to kind of like some of the more dilemmas that we kind of face in, in science. So you want us to apply utilitarianism to these? If you want to, uh, like yeah, we'll try. We'll try to see how utilitarianism would approach them. Okay. And then kind of talk about it like that. Okay. Kind of like kind of like what we're doing with the trolley problem. Okay. So, hmm, what would be a good one to discuss about? It's utilitarian. Um. Yeah. I feel like euthanasia would be a good one to talk about, and then we can kind of t- talk about like test subjects. I'd say test subjects is probably really good. Euthanasia, yeah, that actually would fit with utilitarian. I've heard it, I've heard them both together. Um, yeah, I think test subjects. Let's do that one first because I think that's a good good one to start with. Alrighty, so. Imagine that you're testing out a particular, I guess, medication that needs to be approved from the FDA, right? And it's going through the trials and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of times that we, we don't want to treat humans to begin with. We usually kind of start treating them against with, like, small organisms. Um, what's the point of uh, only treating against animals and, just, and not just going straight up to humans for testing? just to see more accurate and faster results. So let's, let's assume that this type of medication is like the cure for like, I don't know, let's just say uh, breast cancer, like a miracle drug like that. It's a miracle drug. The, so the, the dilemma is, do you want to take your time to actually make sure it is a miracle drug? Or do you just want to give it to them? That's kind of... So I would say with utilitarian, you can go either way. It depends on how, if it actually is a miracle drug or not. The only way you know is if you do tests. So. So you would, it would be best to test out humans straight off the bat. I don't know about straight off the bat. I would say try. That's how they would do it. That's what I'm saying. Because like, if you tested it with smaller organisms, you might get like, kind of an understanding but if not if you don't test it in humans then you won't get a, a more accurate result as and it will take longer and the longer it takes more people die from breast cancer mm-hmm. but then again i mean you could kill those people you're really gonna risk so it's how much in a way i guess with that is how much do you value a human <laughs> life over an animal life and how many human lives are you sacrificing potentially sacrificing and taking the longer route than like potentially killing however many humans it takes when you're just when you immediately go to them for trials that's rough to know you don't know if it's a miracle drug or not so how do you how do you decide how many people are going to die basically is how i i'm seeing that but animals are going to die too if it's if they're testing. Animals have souls. Sorry. 
All dogs may go to heaven, but they, they do not have souls, technically, according to I don't know. But they are amazing creatures, and that's, I mean, we're stewards. They are. We're supposed to take care of them. We're supposed to treat them with respect. But they are animals. We, we are in charge. We're in, we, are, we are more evolved. <laughs> so, let me bring, bring, bring out this type of uh, another thought experiment. The kind of it's, it's it's kind of it is bioethical related in a way, mm-hmm. and I feel like it it also exp- kind of illustrates. Imagine this: you're at an <laughs> at an organ donor place, right? <laughs> and you just want to get a checkup, and the doctor is like, "Okay," so he does the whole checkup, you know, normally, right? However, there are five patients right now that are about to die, so. What he does, so at, at one point, he actually just automatically kills the patient, gets the organs, and transplant them to the, to the other five patients that were about to die. So, based on utilitarianism, that's morally permissible. Yeah. Oof. And, and in, the, in, 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 the, in the testing case, I, I feel like, yeah, if you, how many animals would you need to test for it to be, you know... To be accurate, then we, and we still we still need to test on humans. So why not get to, straight to the point and cause less amount of deaths from both a total of humans and animals to begin with? But you don't know what the effects are. You don't know how bad the effects could be. Exactly. So you should test it out in humans to see the effects in humans, not just in other animals, because mm-hmm. that might be inaccurate. I mean, it's going to it's going to be maybe semi inaccurate, but depending on the model you use, it's going to it's going to be fairly close. And if there's a severe effect, you don't want to give it to the So I guess it's the potential of how likely are you going to kill them by testing them? And I mean, if the likelihood, if the stats are basically saying that the likelihood of killing them is relatively low, then maybe you can start testing on humans. But that's still, I don't know. I, I get, I get, I, as I understand it, with at least like with my faith and everything, and I, I could be wrong, mm-hmm. it's one of those human lives are valued much more highly than animal lives. Yes, we do value them, but they are animals. So if we end up having to sacrifice them, okay, it's in order to save a human life um, or lives, really, because it's, it's, it's a drug for a lot of people. Yeah, you'll have to test on. Um, you'll have to test the uh, on humans, but the likelihood of you killing them is a lot less than you just immediately going to test on them. And that would, I, 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 to me, I guess I would have to see the stats as well. How likely is it that you're going to kill them based on like your preliminary data stuff? So that would be. Let me give you. You did bring out something about whether or not, like, a certain good is a lot better or at least higher level. So the two founders of utilitarianism was Jeremy and John Stuart Mill. John Stuart Mill had a, a more better explanation of utilitarianism where he described certain levels of hedonistic pleasures and pain as high or low levels. So, for instance, the... The low level of, say, like a pig just munching on grub, 
it's not it's like it's it's pleasurable for them but for us it's like that's disgusting i i, I would rather just have some lobster or some steak and at that point it's like it's a higher level good or it can be something as like listening to some music where you might listen to something that's more mainstream but you might have a different uh musical preference where you prefer i don't know say classical music or any other thing that not a lot of people would be found of but you kind of just like you just are fascinated with it so what you're saying is that there is we hum we humans can appreciate these things compared to an animal so we have higher priority to to actually respect that is that what you're saying yeah i think pretty much um another thing i do want to going going back to the testing so you you want to check on the lethality of a certain of this drug right would be nice to know it's one of those i mean i feel like so yeah go yeah you did you did you know that some potatoes and french fries if you feed into some organisms they produce tumors on them and they are pretty lethal but for us it's like it's not a big deal yeah i mean that's a, i know that that's that way with a bunch of other drugs that for us we take in higher doses than an animal could ever take like i remember like i think it's it is ibuprofen I mean, I again, I the value of a human life is higher than the value of an animal's life. At least that's the way I look at it. Animals are, are nice. I wish I had a rabbit, but mm. my life is more important than my rabbit. Gucci. What do you all think? Sorry, Jessica, what was the question? Um, it was just like about the idea of like this miracle drug you know should you test it out should you just have some sort of animal model to test it out and then going test it out in humans or just test it out in humans straight off the bat to get timely and accurate results because i still i still see this issue where there might be some discrepancies if you were to use an animal rather than a human right away uh i mean for me i'll say I'm actually more open towards like working with animals first rather than just um directly working with humans or carrying out the experiment in humans because um the thing with animals is at least from so many studies we've seen um our researchers pretty much choose animals that can have like the same um that similarities to um just what you find in the, in humans so if it's the specific genes they're looking for they tend to lean more towards animals that actually have that genes obviously there's still like you said discrepancies between you know if you actually carry it out on animals you still need to like adjust that experiment so that you know it can better fit the human when you're doing like a clinical trial for example but i'll say mm-hmm. that you know using animals you can still go very far with that experimental mm-hmm. procedure right with at least having pre- prelim- mm-hmm. the preliminary results just the first stage results at least you have an idea of okay um maybe if you were testing a gene for example you can kind of like have an idea of you know what the gene is about what they respond to just in an animal model and just with that knowledge then you can apply that to improving on that using you know clinical trials you're going to work with humans 
we just have to have that, you know, that background, um, I don't know, results, just some kind of results from um, an mm. animal model instead of just going full on humans and you literally, you know how complex we are, right? Well, complex um, organisms. Are we organisms? Sorry, yes. but <laughs> okay, that I, just yeah, sounded wrong. Like... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're more complex than animals. That's the that's the that's the message. But yeah, so um, and the thing with our own body system is because we have so many things going on, and we really can't. I don't know. It's just I feel like animals are more they're smaller models, right? So the experiment can be easily um, measured. It can be easily contained. But then with humans, there's just so many things going on in our body, so many things you have to put into consideration. But then um, animals, to me, make more sense. Just, you know, start that um, first stage of your experimental protocol, depending on whatever you're researching. Start that first with humans and with animals, and then improve on that. You can now then maybe take it to like a clinical trial stage for humans, but definitely animals first for me. That sounds good. I'm just thinking like how long it would take to get some results um, before we can actually start going into the clinical trials. Because I feel I still I still feel like you know depending on how long it waits, then it might. Honestly, from it, 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 my experience, there's really um, there's really no way you can rush you can rush research. Even if you carry it out directly on humans, you still have a very long waiting period because you have to literally track mm. these humans and see, you know, like just like you just have to keep tabs on. Okay, now we probably maybe like using CRISPR, for example, you wait. Mm-hmm. Did you say we, you're gonna trap these humans? No, 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 track. Like just oh track. track. So obviously, if track meaning like you track like their um treatment process, right? So you mm-hmm. still need to like wait to like you have to wait it out in research. You there's no rushing it. There's no how long. I mean, it might take longer if you use an animal model at the first stage, but then they are less um what's it called? Oh no, you, you get. Like, you don't kill as many people. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, rather, I'll rather sacrifice time and come up with something that actually I know will work eventually when we get to the clinical trial and then we have less people dying. I'll rather, like, sacrifice that time than just having so, more people, like, actually doing the experiment there, same people, having more people then die from... Um, you treating on them. I mean, it's really not worth it at the end of the day, even though it takes long, like, even though it's faster, because you're directly doing it to humans. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like, you know, you still have a very high number of deaths. And just to reduce that and to make sure that, you know, you're, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was going to say, though, I mean, you could, you can regulate... Like you don't, you don't have. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that we should test it in a bunch of humans and just hopefully we can save a bunch of dev. I'm just saying like we can still test it in humans and still regulate. You know how that you know how many how much casualties can we get out of it? Because we're trying to lessen that. At least that's what your titanium wants to do. It doesn't want to cause as much 
casualty as, as possible. He wants to minimize it as much yeah, as possible. Yeah, but then another thing with humans too is that not all, like, um, even though we're both humans, me and you, Joseph, right, we're, we're still different, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. our genetic makeup to a certain degree, like I'm from Africa, you're from here. There are things that if I test mm-hmm. on you, you might, like, you still need, like, a good amount of, like, different people from different parts of the world so either way you're still going to work with like a handful of people you can just randomly pick one person mm-hmm. from ohio one person from nigeria one person from I, texas like you still need a good pool for your research so I you're, still, you're still going to use like a good number of humans for your test so either way there's still going to be eyes depth you can't avoid that yeah i i, I we yeah we can we can still go with humans and be systematic about it as well. I mean, there's a way around it, but <laughs> I, I definitely will stick with animals. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because if anything goes wrong in humans, then how do you change it? It's already directly in the human body or whatever. But then with the animals, you can always go back, correct stuff, change things around, use a different animal model or stuff like that. Do you want to change the human? You already put stuff in? Yeah, I don't know. You're done. That's it. <laughs> 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 yeah, because you can easily like get like another animal and yeah. then fix something. But then once it's in mm-hmm. me, I mean, what do you want to do? I'm then stuck with that stuff you have, like all the treatment, so-called treatment you have in me. So how do you go back? Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. How about um? Let's see. What about the? Uh, I think this kind of also goes back to the vaccine in a way, and how because that's already being rushed like hard right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that was a little bit more applicable to what we're kind of dealing with. So, I feel like we should. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, based on what you do, it's in state, that we should already start distributing the phase three trials already, and see how that goes. If, if the data, because we already have the data, so why, why would it be taking too long for it to approve? Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where like a vaccine that ends up hurting people isn't doing what it was designed to do. So, mm-hmm. so unless you can produce a vaccine that has, like, does its purpose, i.e. Um, vaccinating against coronavirus, uh, and also does not harm people, like, you're kind of not really, I don't know, like, you're not producing anything substantial, um, Right, because like the main yeah the main point of the vaccine is that which it's not meant to produce any like as too many side effects that as much as you know we're trying to reduce that as much as we can and producing a an immune response uh, against COVID and yeah based on the trials I mean we have gone to a bunch of people in an, in a heavily large uh, density population population density and. Yeah, they've been treating, and they they seems to be doing well for the most part. I know the one in Moderna is doing all right, but and I know that several several other uh, vaccines are also doing well in, in the process. 
Yeah. But what what would be my question? I lost my train of, my train of thought. I forgot what I was supposed to ask. Like, was it go, was it going to be like? Why don't we just like go ahead and like try using it? Yeah. 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 There's yeah. There's straight up using now, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's because we don't want more fish tank cleaner headlines. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with that story, where the people were like, oh. Um, I forget what it was. Um, there was a therapeutic drug that was like talked about, like for uh, it, it was kind of mentioned that this thing could um, help with COVID, and oh. some people uh, noticed that. It, oh, it was hydroxychloroquine. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the, uh, I think the issue is that when people, when you're unsure or you don't have like overwhelming evidence that something does the job it's intended to do, as well as produce minimal harms, you have people who, are like okay that like good enough for me i'll go ahead and roll with it and then you know bad things happen so that one's kind of a you know you just you want to avoid that pretty much all my assumptions is that i guess that the actions that i'm, I'm trying to state all the ones that kind of just follow that yeah would not produce so much pain in the long term, because mm-hmm. that also it, it, there's also a temporal part of utilitarianism that I, I didn't probably bring up too much, but I do want to consider that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of util, I guess, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you could you could like. Um, like roll with a vaccine and hope it does or produces more happiness. But like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's always the risk that you have like an I am legend situation and like zombies. Yeah, man. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, uh, you could, you could could end up producing uh, or decreasing the amount of happiness uh, by rolling with a vaccine. You're not really sure. Uh, you haven't studied thoroughly. Let me let me make this a. I mean, just to end it like this, because uh, I think we only got like ten minutes left before this shuts yeah. down. Mm-hmm. If we were talking about a zombie apocalypse, I mean, wouldn't that be a good thing? Because <laughs> I'm thinking of a, more of a Thanos approach of things. Where like, if you just cut <laughs> the population in half, then do a snap. Yeah, with just a single snap. <laughs> And you got a bunch of zombies, and you just start killing them. You're not only just like lowering the population, but you also are like kind of, I guess, what's the what's the word? You're cleansing it in a way where like all the problems because caused by pop, like population densities, like you're kind of erasing that, and there's more space, stuff like that. And also, it's, you you might even you might even take uh, some of the bad people may turn. 
and now you're killing them. <laughs> I mean, so there, there's a, there could be some good things that could happen. I, I think I think that's that view is inherently evil because that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, man. Okay. It's inherently evil because it ends in the death of uh, RDJ. And if you, if you will anything evil on Robert Downey Jr., like, oh, there's, there's definitely something wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, it's like he can probably get lucky, man. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have to turn. It's like, <laughs> oh man. But yeah, this is one of the more interesting theories in normative ethics that I think a lot of people can discuss about. And there's a lot of things. Uh, that's even one particular case. Uh, uh, another thought experiment was, and I think this was told in my intro philosophy, and it it disturbed me a little bit. But it makes sense. And I started making more disturbing thought experiments ever since then. Was like imagine like there was a dude who was like a sculpture or in a painter. And he wanted to make a painting out of dead. He he, he killed toddlers and infants, painting it, painting their the entire all of them stacked up in their in their in their blood, and then have them in, straight into the into like a park, right smack in the middle, and people would be admiring it and be like, they don't know like how this came to be, but they kind of just see it as like a regular statue. And be like, oh wow, that looks so nice. And then over time, it's like all it, it pretty much produced all the pleasures of everyone viewing it would actually over time uh, decrease the pain or minimize the pain of the tallest deaths and screams of agony. Ooh, that's a. At least that's one. <laughs> that's okay. the idea. It's sadistic. But... Uh, yeah, that's definitely a thought yeah, experiment the... that. Um doesn't bode well for you tail no yeah it, 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 it goes crazy i'm not gonna lie it's almost i feel like take taking most of them to the extreme like there's issues with them all if you take to the extreme yeah so. for real yeah i do agree Alrighty. oh uh, i think that's enough time i think there's still a lot of more dilemmas I did want to discuss about ethics, but I think we will wait because I think there's the certain, certain uh, more dilemmas that are best fitted with the other two uh, ethical theories that we'll be discussing in the later episodes. But yeah, this was really fun and really great to uh, talk to y'all about and even learning about y'all's worldview of morality. Uh, and also, it was fun just, just to ha- just to kind of pop in as a, as a devil's advocate. <laughs> Definitely. Alrighty. With that further ado, that ends part one. Uh, we will see you next week for part uh, part two, where we will be discussing about the categorical imperatives by Immanuel Kant. I hope to see y'all uh, there, and y'all have a great day. <laughs>